Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hi, I'm Andrea Peterson, and you're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, Salt Lake Magazine's own podcast. Pregnancy is a time of joy, anticipation, and lots of planning. But what happens when things don't go according to plan? Each year, 10 to 15% of babies born in the U.S. are admitted to a neonatal intensive care unit. Most are premature or have a medical condition that requires special care. In our 2017 November-December issue, we sat down with three families whose birth experience mm, did not go according to plan. But what they did get instead, they say, are tiny miracles. And joining us today is the Joy family. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we have Leanne Joy and David Joy. And I think just to start off with, let's go ahead and kind of hear uh, Cadence's story. So Cadence was born five, five and a half weeks premature. Um, she was coming early and they had stopped my labor. They decided to do an ultrasound. Our doctor just didn't feel quite right about her heartbeat overnight. Um, from the time I had the ultrasound to the time she was out was 25 minutes. Um, they immediately took me in for an emergency C-section because they had noticed that she had absorbed all the amniotic fluid into her tissue. Um, and it's a condition called hydrops fatalis. Um, she usually, the prognosis, prognosis is pretty poor, um, but she, they were able to get her out. It took about 20 minutes to get any signs of life. Um, and then they had called Life Flight in um, to transfer her to a hospital that could better care for her needs because Logan Regional didn't have a NICU unit at the time. So Cadence came early. Um, what sort of things um, were going on with Leanne at the time and that you guys, we need to go to the hospital? We were actually at my aunt and uncle's house for, she was at a baby shower. And when I got there, she had mentioned she didn't feel well. I got there to help get the presents and stuff. And she mentioned she didn't feel well. And so I started picking up the presents and she's like, no, we need to go. And so I was like, okay, and started walking with some presents. She's like, no, we need to go now. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we just left and my brothers got all the presents and everything. And we went up to McKady and while we were there, they checked and they're like, oh, oh, you're in labor. Um, we're like, oh dear. And so they're like, they basically said, go ahead and head back up to Logan. You should make it up there and we want your doctor to decide what to do. So that was kind of an intense drive from Ogden to Logan. Well, now, was this something, you guys weren't expecting this, this wasn't, had at any point you guys been warned by a previous doctor or even a hint of that this might be a problem? Um, we kind of felt like I might go early just because I was pretty small. She was measuring pretty big. Um, not big necessarily, just big for me. Um, I was kind of progressing along. Um, he said, you know, I think I'll see you at your next appointment, but after that, if you go into labor, I wouldn't be surprised. And so we knew maybe we would go a little bit early, um, but we were surprised how early. And I, I just wasn't feeling well, and I didn't really know what labor felt like at the time because I hadn't ever been in labor before. Um, but so we were kind of surprised when they said, you're in labor, because I just thought, well, maybe something's just not quite right. Maybe like my blood sugar's low, or I didn't know what was going on. 
And so I was a little surprised when they said you're in labor. But as high drops fatalis, is that correct? Yes. So is that something that the doctors or the hospitals can predict? Is that something that just kind of happens? Um, what what happened for y'all's case? So they can see on ultrasound um, that the baby has more fluid than normal. Um, I had a ultrasound not very long before that, like a couple weeks previous, and they weren't able to see anything that was concerning. So my case happened fairly quickly. A lot of times, if, like, so with my second pregnancy, they did a lot more ultrasounds to kind of watch to see, because oftentimes it happens early on in the pregnancy, um, and they're able to catch it earlier um, and monitor it to see kind of as it progresses what steps they need to take. Mine was just unnoticed for you know the few weeks because it happened so quickly so they weren't able to catch it soon enough to not have her be in serious danger when she was born so when she was born you had a c-section yes and then what kind of followed what was the procedures that happened after that um she had cpr for 20 minutes and they put in a breathing tube and her doctor was really good to tell us that at some point the breathing tube slipped so at some point she went without oxygen and he was really good to say, you know, it might have been the full 20 minutes, it might have been two seconds, but we don't know. Um, they immediately had to cut little incisions in the side of her chest to start draining fluid. And then when life flight got there, they put in chest tubes to start draining it faster. They, it took a while to stabilize her. And then as soon as she was stable, they flew her to, from Logan Regional down to McKady. And then at that point, after I made sure that Leanne was okay and they told me don't leave yet because they have to get her stable down there and you can't even see her. And then I drove down while Leanne was there and then So basically you were pacing between Cadence and Leanne and seeing how they're doing. So how is this affecting your body? I mean, we talk a lot about the preemies and the little ones, but the mom, um, what was going on with you? Um, actually, so when we were told that she was going to need to be taken emergency C-section. Um, David was told that Lifelight was on the way for Cadence and was on call for me. And they didn't let me know that because they wanted to keep me as calm as they could so that it wouldn't put Cadence in any more stress than she already was in. But I was fairly sick as well because she was taking everything from me. And so I was depleted of a lot of things. Like my potassium was low enough that while in the operating room, the doctor was like, that can't be right. You need to call and have them rerun it. Um, and it was right. So I just, I was pretty sick. And later I actually developed postpartum preeclampsia, which um, my blood pressure got about 240 over like 130. So I was pretty sick after having her, um, but beforehand I was pretty healthy, so. And so like you having to take care of both of them, David, what was going through your head and you know, how were you handling and feeling during this whole chaos? I just kept remembering thinking I was too young for this. Um, I was and only, how old were you? I was 20, 20 I think. 21. 21, yeah. I was almost 21 and yeah, I was almost 21. And like I remember, they told me that I needed to keep Leanne calm for both her and for the baby. And I thought, I didn't know that I could do that. And then afterward, the doctor told us where she went without oxygen. He couldn't give us any idea of what kind of a quality of life she would have. And so I remember him telling me that it may be that I get down to McKady and we have to decide whether or not to 
keep her on life support. And I remember Leanne told me, don't have her wait around for me. If she's suffering, let her go. And I remember thinking, I can't do that. Like, I'm too young for this. I was still just a kid in college, and so it, it was intense. It sucked. <laughs> kind of what were the doctors telling you guys? When, like, you know, when did you finally get to see her, and when did you sort of feel semi out of the clear that you weren't going to have to make that kind of choice? He got to see her that same day um, while she was in McKady. We weren't allowed to really even touch her because they were afraid it would overstimulate her body, and she just couldn't handle anything extra at the time. Um, I wasn't able to see her. I was released from the hospital about three days later from my C-section, um, where we lived two hours away from where she was, because at the time she was then life-lighted to primary children's. So we were two hours away, and as I was recovering from a C-section, it was an intense drive. So we decided to wait until the following day to drive down and see her. And so I was able to see her about four days later. I saw her right before Life Flight took her. They did come in and let me look at her. Um, before they took her, which was really nice of them um, because we didn't know if she was going to make it or not. Um, it wasn't until about two weeks that we thought she's going to make it. We still didn't know what her limitations would be later on, but we knew that she was going to do okay. Um, she was taken off of life like her life support, right, um, and then put on a CPAP machine and we were able to hold her for the first time at 14 days and so. At 14 days, wow. So when you guys finally got to take Cadence in your <laughs> arms after everything that was going through, I mean, what was kind of the feelings and that you guys shared together and that each of you guys experienced? We were pretty relieved. Um, we were still a little bit nervous because while we were there, there was a baby in the NICU next to her that seemed to be doing great and then you kind of get to know the other parents in the NICU and everything and kind of get to know people's stories as you talk to each other. And we went in one day and he was gone. And so we asked a nurse, did he get to go home? And she said, well, kind of, and pointed skyward, meaning heaven. And so we, that kind of made us sick to think he was doing so well and it just turned overnight. And so it was kind of mixed feelings of, like, we get a holder and this seems like it's going to be okay, but at the same time, we were still in the NICU, so we were still pretty nervous. But it did make it a lot more real. I mean, it's kind of, while you're pregnant, that's kind of what you look forward to is the reward of holding your baby and, you know, getting to love on them and squish them. And um, so not being able to do that for a while is really hard. Um, I know that we're lucky. A lot of parents have to wait longer. Um, but it makes it more real. It makes her feel like she's ours. You know, you can hold her and comfort her. Um, she, up until that point, couldn't cry because she had a tube in. And so she would, you could see visibly she was crying as they took her off sedation, but you couldn't hear anything. And so it was nice to be able to hear her cry even for the first time um, as she got uncomfortable or whatever and was able to let us know that she was uncomfortable by crying because that's not something that you ever think your kid's not going to do. But we hadn't up until that point heard her cry and so it just made it very real that we are parents we have our baby and you know we were hopeful that everything would be okay but unfortunately like going forward I mean she was here and she was good and she was in a stable place but there were some complications that came after you know um, take us through kind of the steps that the therapy that she needed um, to come to where she is right now so while in the NICU, um, we were told, um, just based off different tests they had run at different points, luckily the first one, so she had her EEG, is that what it's called, um, 
So she had her EEG and in the first couple days, and it came back about a couple weeks later um, with all the results that they decided to tell us that it had come back that she was completely brain dead, which at the time we were able to, we were holding her while they told us, and she clearly wasn't brain dead. Um, and so it's kind of almost like those medical mysteries that are so ironic. Um, her vision test came back that she was completely blind, um, but she, as the doctor's telling us, he's like, I can tell that she's focused on your face, so I know she isn't. Her brain just needs time to rewire and reroute. Um, and so we just had to watch her really closely. Um, she was a little bit delayed on her development, um, mostly because she was premature. And then that first month that she was here, she wasn't like a normal baby. I mean, she was in the NICU for two weeks, so she was premature and wasn't able to really grow. She was focused on staying alive. So they, I mean, her sitting, things like that were a little bit delayed. Um, but as far as interventions post-hospital, she seemed to be doing fantastic until we realized that she um, had scoliosis at six months. Now, was the scoliosis an effect of the pregnancy complications or that was? It was actually completely different, um, but we were able to catch it so soon because we were so hypervigilant on watching for anything to go wrong. Um, so we caught it super early. Um, our pediatrician was amazing at listening to us, listening to our concerns anytime. I mean, first time parents are always a little bit paranoid anyways, but we were even more so because we knew that we needed to catch whatever delays or problems early. So we, I swear we were in there all the time. Um, and he was super patient and great with us. And, you know, would either calm our nerves because we had trust in him. So if he said it was okay, we fully 100% believed him. And if he thought, you know, maybe this is something worth looking into, which the scoliosis, he's like, oh, I think you're onto something. Um, so it was good to have a doctor that we trusted and who didn't brush us off as first-time worried parents. He, he listened to us and really heard any concern we had. So as um, Cadence was growing up, were there, you know, talk me through, were there some moments of uh, fear or scare, like going back to our situations for you guys that you were just, because, you know, being first-time parents, did you ever, like, second-guess yourself was like, what am I doing? I don't know. We had done a lot of research into Hydrops Fatalis and trying to get ready for some of the things that come that can come from that. And we kind of lucked out because a lot of a lot of those kids that have that and do survive tend to have a lot of cognitive and physical disabilities and she really didn't. And so we were kind of we were all right with the scoliosis especially once we got over to Shriners and got to those doctors and started getting treatment there. It was it was just kind of okay, we're we're we've got this under control and it made it a lot easier and we know that they care for her in an incredible way so we it really alleviated a lot of our worry and stress and when we did find out that she had to have a growing rod and halo traction that was a little bit intense for us but we kinda just prepped ourselves as best as we could and it turned out to be really great because everybody at Shriners, we had to be in Shriners for a month while she was in halo traction before her big surgery and everybody down there was amazing. And so it really didn't feel like we were living in a hospital for a month. It just kind of, we were, and one of us would stay at Shriners and then the other 
to Shelby and whoever wasn't staying the night would go to Ronald McDonald house. And between those two, it really, that month kind of flew by and really wasn't that bad. That's really good to hear. <laughs> it was. It could it be was. much worse. Oh, yeah. Could. Especially because we knew the whole time she was, she was healthy. I mean, people stay months in the hospital not knowing if their kid's going to come home. And we knew, I mean, as far as the Shriners Hospital portion, that she was going to come home, which was good. She does. The only thing she maybe has that's related to um, her high drops fatalis, but they can't say for sure or not. They kind of, I mean, she's had some testing and stuff, and they just don't know if it's related or if it's just something she had is she has a memory deficiency and so she there's kind of no rhyme or reason to it sometimes she remembers stuff great other times she forgets it, it just takes her longer to learn things um, but if that's the only thing we have long term to deal with we're super blessed so we I mean it takes a lot of patience a lot of routine a lot of talking with teachers and you know follow through and consistency but she's doing great in school I mean she's a perfectly normal 11 year old so Except for she's not super bratty like I think some 11-year-olds get. So, <laughs> Well, Cadence is actually here with us for you listeners out there and her sister Shelby. And we're going to actually chit-chat with them for a few seconds. So Cadence, welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Shelby, thanks for joining us too. You're welcome. <laughs> now Cadence, um, you know, a lot of this that happened to you was when you were really young. So what does it feel when you hear your parents talk about kind of what went through your birth? Sometimes if it's something new, I'm, I'm kind of surprised because I wouldn't think of it because I was really little. So either if I forgot it or when my parents talk about it, either I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that or wow, I, f I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's probably like hearing these stories, like you feel healthy and you're like, was there a time I was like that? It's probably kind of nuts for you, but you got to know your doctors pretty well. How was that? Um, were there any doctors that you grew close with or nurses that helped you out? Um, yes, at Shriners, Dr. Stu, he is amazing. Why is he amazing? Well, he's just really kind, and he, he just, like, he's been the one that I've known since, as far as I can remember, for Shriners. So you went through, you probably, as you got older, remember some of the later therapies that you went through for your back and kind of um, some of the physical stuff. Do you remember any of that or what you kind of went through to feel what you feel right now? Um, sometimes if I put, if I had wood chips down my caster brace, I would get sores. Ooh. And the sores, my parents say, would stink. They would stink. Oh, no. And that's no fun, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, what about like, you know, kind of what was some of the things that the doctor would have you do? Like maybe walking or moving or stretching? Or tell about your casts and braces. What oh, yeah, like. talk to me a little about your casts and braces. So I think it was a brace that I couldn't take off. No, it was the cast actually that I could n not take off until they, I, they would cut it off and I would be under anesthesia for that when they put it on. Wow. And then when I did braces, they would mold me and then cut it off. Braces, so do, are they like the cast that you can sign or are they like, you can't have your friends sign it? <laughs> it, it would probably rub off because it was smooth and oh. it had straps so I could get in the shower and stuff. Oh, nice. Because with the casts, you had to basically sponge bath me and with the braces, you could take it off and I could take a regular bath. Oh, and that's always good to have a good bubble bath, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what were some of the things that um, you weren't able to do before some of the therapy and that you're able to do now? 
I only have a few restrictions right now than I can't, I couldn't before, like tag I can't do, or bending. Bending, what, like folding over and touching your toes? Yeah, any sort of bending really. Say why that is. Because my rod, it's an extending rod and it has a bottom piece connected to an upper piece. If I bend over, I either get a bump on my back called a bursa filled with fluid that they'll drain after surgery, well, while I'm in surgery, or there's a chance that the rod could poke through my back and I would have to go in. I love listening to you talk about these medical terms. <laughs> my parents talk to me about it a lot. <laughs> now, um, Shelby, um, what do you guys like to do as kids? What are some of the fun things as sisters that you guys love doing? Um, we love talking with each other and playing. We are really close and when Cadence did do dance, we really liked dancing with each other. But then they, they were getting a little worried that there was a kink in her rod, so she stopped. Yeah, we gotta be careful about that, huh? Yeah. What is one of your favorite things about your sister? I just love being with her and how we are so close. Oh, that's wonderful. When you hear your parents talk about kind of some of the stuff your sister's gone through, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel happy she's here right now and like she really went through that. <laughs> it's surprising, right? Because she, I mean, for our listeners out there, I mean, Cadence does. She's, she seems normal. She looks normal. And you would never guess that she kind of went through all of this. And so we're so happy that you guys are both here. I'm going to ask you kind of a hard question. So, you, I mean, Cadence was a bit of a tough pregnancy and birth and growing up process. What, were you interested in having another child? Were you scared to have another child? Kind of, you know, a lot of parents are going to be like, after one. Like we, what? we actually had decided that we weren't going to have any more. Um, we were met with a lot of opinions on that. Um, a lot of people encouraging us to have more. I'm talking like two months after we had her. People are telling us we need to have more children. Um, opinions are great, but we don't always listen to them. We had decided we were good with one. Um, we met with a geneticist because um, it was recommended to see if scoliosis was linked somehow to her birth. And um, he was amazed with how well she was doing. He actually had walked in, looked at her, and left. And we thought it was weird. We thought, okay, he's just in the wrong room. And we didn't know who the doctor was. We'd never met him before. And he came back in and he said, Cadence. And we're like, this is her? Um, because she's so, if you read her birth story medically, she's so normal. Like, you wouldn't expect to see this after reading all her story. Um, but he had told us at the time, if we choose to have more children, um, because we never found out the cause of her high drops, that we would want to follow really closely with a perinatologist, um, and we would want to maybe live closer to U of U so that we could have doctors on hand that were close to primary children's, and we would want to do a lot of pre-planning beforehand. But I actually had found out about a week later that we were pregnant with Shelby. And so a lot of that went out the window. Um, <laughs> and we were really excited, but also very nervous. Um, our my obstetrician was amazing at following really closely. I had a lot more appointments than I did with Cadence. Um, we did stress tests and ultrasounds, so we were able to see her a lot more often, which was incredible because we could see she was healthy, we could see the validation that everything's going smoothly. Um, and she was actually a pretty 
textbook pregnancy and delivery. Um, I also had a C-section with her and it went really well. And we were able to, it was weird to have a baby in our room post-delivery um, because we didn't get that with Cadence and to leave the hospital with our baby. I mean, we'd never experienced that before. And so that's kind of what you expect, but our whole thinking had shifted based on experience. And so it was weird to kind of go back to having a baby and holding it right away. And but yeah, a lot of nerves, the whole pregnancy. So for you, David, because especially during Cadence's pregnancy, you were kind of, you know, bouncing between Cadence and Leanne, and you were just kind of, this weight was on you, um, going through Shelby's and watching Leanne, and just, you know, the whole nine months, and then the birth, you know, what was, what was it that you felt was maybe different, or for you this time around? Well, I was pretty nervous, but at the same time, everything seemed to be going pretty well, and so it was, it was nice, it was nice to feel like we had like a normal pregnancy, even though there's not really a normal, but a lot closer to what you would think of as what a pregnancy and delivery and baby should be like. So it was... Was it kind of a surprise? You're like, wait, this is easy. This isn't as stressful and crazy as it, it shouldn't be. Yeah, it was... I don't, I don't know. It was just kind of nice. Like it was, like Leanne said, it was nice to have her in her room after, and it was nice to leave the hospital with her and to be able to do like her newborn pictures when she was just a couple days old rather than a month old. <laughs> and it was interesting to hear her cry right in the, you know, the operating room. We were able to hear her cry, which was, I don't know, it's something you kind of expect because you see it on all the movies, you see it, you hear everybody's birth stories, but you don't realize that some kids come out and they're not crying. Um, so it was interesting to hear her cry and know like, oh, this is, what it's like. This is what norm, like normal deliveries, I mean, as normal as you can get, like David <laughs> said, but that's how they go. So. so just kind of to wrap this up, the final question I have, you know, for families who maybe are going through this or are nervous to go through this or, you know, kind of have maybe are part of a similar situation, what are some advice or tips then that you can tell them? Stay off Google. Um, if we were, I didn't Google. I mean, it wasn't really a huge thing when Cadence was born, because that was 11 years ago. But I feel like everybody has advice to give um, online, and it's not always accurate. It's not pertaining specifically to your case. Um, there are different children with hydrops fatalis that might have a totally different outcome, and they, they generally do have a totally different outcome. If I were to base it solely off of you know, what I read on the internet, I, it would have been a really depressing month. I mean, it wasn't a fun month, but we were able to rely on what the doctors were telling us and specific to our case. I think that if you get on Google and type anything in that you're worried about, you can, I mean, you're always like three clicks from dead. I love Google, but if you have any medical concerns, rely on your doctors. I wouldn't rely on the internet or chat groups or anything for information. I think then it can become worst case scenario very quick and it takes a lot of the hope out of it. Um, more often than not. What about you, David? My biggest thing is, if you are going through something like that, take it a day at a time. Don't, don't get too caught up in the long view of it because it'll get, it'll go get overwhelming really quickly. Um, it was a lot of okay. What do we? What do we? We looked at a lot of milestones. Like okay, in the next 24 hours, what do we need to see? And in the next 48 hours, what are we hoping for? And it helped a lot to take it just a few just a few short steps at a time and realize that 
I don't know that we are we were strong enough to get through that because when it first all happened I didn't know that I was strong enough to do it but we came out all right so it's kind of crazy to think about the first one you're at 20 and then you know a couple years later it's normal and then now 11 years later yeah it's it's way different so but yeah it, I don't know you're stronger than you think and it may not seem like it in the moment but you can get through anything so I love it. Well, thank you both of you, Leanne, oh, you're welcome. David, thank you. Hayden, oh, thank you. Shelby. Thank you guys for joining us. I know our listeners will love to hear further the story. For all of you guys out there, be sure to pick up the 2017 November-December issue to read more about the Joy story as well as the other tiny miracles that were featured. You can find this podcast as well as all our other episodes at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcast.